hot and loud. Well, good morning. It's great to be with all of you this morning. And uh, we did indeed have a great trip to Israel. It was um, uh, pretty powerful in every way. It's going to take months to process it all and unpack it. But it was very, very good. And uh, something that, you know, we called it a pilgrimage, not necessarily a, a trip, but it was a pilgrimage. And it's uh, one of those pilgrimage experiences that uh, it would be helpful if everybody who knows Jesus would have a chance at some point in life to experience that. Uh, so it was, uh, it, was, it was really, really good in every way. We're going to uh, listen to a clock this morning. Um, Scott's going to help me out by miking it back there. This is a, um, a mantle clock that has been marking time since the mid-1880s. Um, we found it for Aaron and Kat for Christmas this year and, and uh, got it for them. Is it, does it work? It should. So um, that clock kind of struck Deanna and I as we were buying it for Aaron and Kat for Christmas, that that clock has been marking time for 130 years. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment, um, that that pendulum has been swinging for 130 years. It was marking time before North Dakota and South Dakota and Montana were even states. It was ticking when World War I both began and ended. It was ticking at 11.40 p.m. on April the 12th of 1912 when the RMS Titanic hit an iceberg in the North Atlantic. That clock was ticking. It was marking time when women were unable to vote here in the United States and when African Americans were still using separate bathrooms and water fountains. It was ticking and marking time when Babe Ruth was hitting home runs and when the Great Depression hit the world as never before. This clock was marking time when a leader named Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich was rising to power and beginning a systematic and horrific plan to conquer Europe and attempt to exterminate Jews. That pendulum was swinging when Pearl Harbor was bombed and when the English Channel was filled with over 6,900 vessels pointed towards the shores of Normandy, France. That clock was ticking when Mahatma Gandhi and Martin Luther King Jr. were assassinated. And it was stroking time when the polio vaccine became a reality and when Disneyland first opened. It was marking time when JFK took a bullet in Dallas. And the clock was 
systematically ticking when our boys were returning home from Southeast Asia. And sex, drugs, and rock and roll began the immense cultural impact on the Western world. It was ticking when Lucas created Star Wars and Reagan was calling on Gorbachev to tear down the wall. It was marking time when Nelson Mandela walked out of a prison and the word Columbine became more than a beautiful flower. It continued to mark time when someone named Steve Jobs introduced a handheld device and called it an iPhone and when jetliners became weapons in New York City and Washington. It was keeping time when someone named Zuckerman had an idea that he would call Facebook and when 200,000 people were about to lose their lives in an Indian Ocean tsunami. That pendulum was swinging and moving when this country elected its first African-American president. And it was also ticking when a devastating earthquake was tumbling buildings and people in Haiti and an exploratory rover was landing on the surface of Mars. 130 years of a lot of different things happening in this world. So with that in mind, I want to go to this section in Ephesians chapter 5 that we're going to read this morning. Phil Benner was here last week and teaching on the first portion of Ephesians chapter 5. He talked about being imitators of God, and he talked about the fact that we were once in darkness, but now we're, we are the light of the Lord, and live as children of light, was our instruction. But now we get to verse 15 and following, and the Apostle Paul says this. He says, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Verse 19, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord, anytime we come to your word, we want to come with eyes and ears wide open. And we want to hear what you have to say to us, and we want to see what you have to show us. Lord, we realize that um, you have placed us in this world in time and space because this is exactly where you wanted us to be in your grand plan in all of eternity. And so in light of that, Lord, we pray that you'd help us this morning to to understand and to perceive what your spirit wants to reveal to us. And we ask this in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. So I recently turned 60.
And I have to tell you, I, I struggled more turning 60 than I did turning 50. Maybe I'll struggle even more turning 70 if that day comes. Now, some of you are thinking, 60, so what's the big deal? Right? Because I passed that a long time ago. But it seemed like 60 was, um, it, it was a little bit of a slap in the face, maybe. It was kind of strange. 60, it's like, like, think about that. You know, 60, 60. Time slips by really quickly, doesn't it? Now, if you're a fifth grader waiting for, spring, for summer break, time does not slip by quickly. Or if you are a single young adult, young lady, waiting for uh, a guy to ask you uh, for your hand in marriage, and you're waiting, time does not slip by quickly. In fact, it goes pretty slow. But for a lot of us, time goes by really fast, doesn't it? It goes by fast. 60. And I was like, I still keep trying to pinch myself. I'm 60. Doesn't hardly seem possible. Well, this morning, as we look at these verses in Ephesians chapter 5, I want to get, I, I want to get high. Um, I want to get, I like to get high elevation sometimes. And sometimes I've been accused of it at being a little too high in, in scanning high elevation and looking down and looking at things from a high perspective rather than getting down in the weeds. So this morning, I am intentionally getting high and looking from above at this passage. And I think you'll see what I mean in just a moment. I want to three simple points this morning that I believe the Apostle Paul is trying to encourage us here as he is in, at the end of this chapter 5, it's almost a bit of a summary, and it begins, be very careful then. Anytime you see, be very careful then, you have a tendency to say, okay, well, that's connecting something that he just said previously and prior. And it does. It connects to the previous things that he's been talking about living as children of light and being careful not to walk in darkness. Find out what pleases the Lord, he says in verse 10. So be very careful then, he says in verse 15. Not as, be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the very most of every opportunity because the days are evil. So the first point this morning I want to call us to and, and try to summarize is very simply that God is saying live wisely. Live wisely. I think it's helpful sometimes to get uh, multiple translations as we're approaching a couple verses of Scripture. It gives a little more of a robust meaning to maybe what Paul's, the Apostle Paul is saying. One of my favorite over the years has been the Phillips translation of the New Testament. Uh, John Phillips is somebody that lived a couple hundred years ago. But here's what he says in the Phillips translation in verses 15 and 16. He says, live life then with a due sense of responsibility, not as people who do not know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. Make the best use of your time despite all the difficulties of these days. I also like the the message, which is a, a paraphrase, of course. And he says, um, Peterson says, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. And finally, the Living Bible says, so be careful how you act. 
These are difficult days. Don't be fools. Be wise. Make the most of every opportunity you have for doing good. The Apostle Paul says, live wisely. Live wisely. I would suggest that when he says live wisely, he is saying live, first of all, with eyes wide open and ears wide open. Always asking, Lord, help me to see, help me to perceive. And let's close in prayer. <laughs> That's my mark. You know, in Second um, Chronicles chapter 1, King David's son Solomon was given the opportunity to ask for anything he wanted, God said, and he asked for wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge. He was wise in asking for wisdom and knowledge because he realized how desperately he needed wisdom and knowledge for the task that God is calling him to. Wisdom and knowledge. So I need to live wisely, first of all with eyes wide open, to see where my time, intelligence, money, and energy are spent. Secondly, I would like to suggest that we, not only in living wisely, have open eyes, but we live with trusted counsel. In many ways, we are blind to ourselves. Let me say that again. In many ways, we are blind to ourselves. So it's always helpful to have trusted counsel speaking truth into our lives, to help us see ourselves in ways that maybe we cannot see ourselves. That's where it's helpful to have a, a great spouse who helps us to speak things into our lives that we need to see. It helps us to have a good friend who can help speak things into our lives, and sometimes difficult things. We need one another to speak truth into our lives, even when it's difficult. One of the things I appreciate, a little saying that One Life has is, Learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right, students? Learn to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that's a good thing to learn to do. Proverbs 27, 6 says, of course, faithful are the wounds of a friend. We need to live wisely. Secondly, we need to live strategically. Live strategically. Verses 16 and 17 say this, and I'll begin again from verse 15. Be careful then, be very careful how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, uh, the, the apostle is saying there, the, the days are, are troublesome. They're filled with trouble. And in just reading through that list, since 1880-something, we get the idea of just how troublesome the days are that we live. And by the way, there's never been a time in the history of the world that the days are not troublesome. So forget about the fact of looking for a grand day when things will not be troublesome. Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a promise that we often don't like to claim from Jesus. In this world, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, he said, or be encouraged, because I've overcome this world. But in this world, we will have trouble. Then the apostle goes on to say this. He says in verse 17, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the, world, what the Lord's will is. So secondly, I say live strategically. 
live strategically. So I'll never forget it. <clears throat> it was January of 1983. It was a winter retreat. Deanne and I were um, youth leaders in uh, a youth group of our church that we were a part of in southeastern Pennsylvania. Large winter retreat. The speaker for the weekend, in the course of the weekend, had us take out a piece of paper and draw a vector. Uh, I don't want to bring too, back too many nightmares of geometry class, but a vector was a, a point and a line going from the point with an arrow on the end. And it was signifying a starting point to the line, the line itself representing a period of time, and the arrow on the end representing that that line went forever and ever and ever. There was no end to it. On that line, we were supposed to put uh, the point at the starting point of the line represented the time that we were born. And then we were supposed to put a couple other points on the line. For example, when we were getting married. Of course, that was, that was easy because I had just gotten married a year before. And then uh, a couple other points on the line of where we thought we'd have children. And then came Aaron and Seth and Adam. They were marked right there on the line, you know. And, and then a couple other points the further down the line where you thought we'd retire. And, and then the end of the line where the arrow showed up was to represent the end of life here on this earth. And, of course, my, my line, I had it drawn out at around 80, 85 years. had pretty good longevity. And my grandparents, and they were in their 80s at the time, and... And, uh, but then there was the arrow on the end. The arrow. And the arrow represented forever. I mean, the line technically keeps going forever and forever and forever and forever. And, and the point was, as we were challenged that weekend, we have an opportunity in these... 80 or so years of life to make investments and to be strategic with our lives in ways that will affect forever. Forever and ever and ever and ever. Do you ever, do you ever allow your head to spin trying to get your head around forever? It's almost frightening sometimes because everything we know in life is, is bound by time and space. And yet, we are a people that are created forever. But to, to understand that and wrap our minds around it and try to, to, to really comprehend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever is really hard to do. And the teacher that weekend was, uh, was just laying out a challenge. And he said, his point was, doesn't it make sense? I mean, just, I appeal to your logic, he said. Doesn't it make sense if we have an opportunity to use, strategically use, whatever we've been given? Time, intelligence, money and energy. I, I think of the acronym of the word time. Time, intelligence, money and energy. We all have that to some degree and some level. Time, intelligence, money, and energy. If we have an opportunity to use those things for this little blip of time that we have, 
strategically. Doesn't it make sense to make sure that we're doing that? The Apostle Paul here encourages us in verse 17. He says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Make the most, he says of, in verse 16, of every opportunity because these days are evil. What is the Lord's will? You know, I, we, we have that conversation all the time about all kinds of things in life. What is the Lord's will about this job? What is the Lord's will about my education? What is the Lord's will about who I'm going to marry? What is the Lord's will about what car I'm going to buy? What is the Lord's... And go on and on and on. There are some things that we can point to in Scripture and we can say confidently, without a shadow of a doubt, this is the Lord's will for you. And here's one of them. Matthew 6.33. Jesus said, there, there are red letters in our Bible. Jesus said, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So he just got done talking about the, the things that we worry about in life, the things that we eat and the things that we drink and what we wear and all those kinds of things. These are the things that concern us, but we don't have to wonder what we should seek first because Jesus said, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. You know, I, I used to think that um, Jesus was exclusively talking there about... Um, that it meant bringing earth to heaven when he talked about his kingdom. I've come to understand, however, that it, it also, not to negate that, but it also means bringing heaven to earth. What did Jesus say when he instructed his disciples to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your, what? Kingdom come your kingdom come, your will be done on earth, even as it is in heaven. So it's not just a matter of us bringing earth to heaven, but Jesus is saying, bring heaven to earth. Seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. And we, we, we get that so turned upside down and I think it's a Western culture thing that we get it so turned upside down where we seek first all the things that Jesus said, I'll take care of. Those are the things that dominate our lives. And we think we have to add more layers of security and more layers of security and more layers of security. And we don't quite have enough and quite have enough. And we just got to get ahead a little bit more and a little bit more. And if there's anything left over, we'll give that to God's kingdom. Jesus said, seek first his kingdom, and I'll take care of the rest. So Paul is saying here, live strategically, live intentionally, live for what matters. We, I believe, so often get squeezed and pressed into a mold of this world. Again, I, I like the way John Phillips, in his translation of the New Testament, puts Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says this, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. 
we frankly get squeezed a lot of times and we don't even realize it. It's one of the reasons that I so enjoy um, spending time and dialoguing with young adults um, in what is sometimes called the critical years between 18 and 24 years of age. Because in those critical years, young adults are making more decisions that will affect the entire rest of their life than any other phase of life. Decisions about career and calling and vocation. Decisions about relationships. Decisions about geographics. Decisions about faith, where faith translates from maybe a parent's faith to a personal faith. And we often talk about changing, changing trajectory of life at that phase of life in the critical years. So if, if there can be even a slight change of trajectory, there's enough hunters here in this room that we know when we're sighting in a rifle, just a few clicks in windage or in elevation, just a few clicks, which are tiny, tiny, tiny variations within a scope will put the projectile at a very different place once it gets 200 yards out there. Well, if we can change a trajectory of a life of a young adult when they're 18, 19, 20 years of age, the place that they will be when they're an old guy like me at 60 is going to be very different than had they not changed the trajectory, right? You understand that? So we change trajectory. It's so important at that age. Because the fact of the matter is that we have, in many ways, let the world press us into its mold. And here's what I mean by that. I remember it well. In um, meeting with my guidance counselor at Penridge High School. Jeff, you got to do better in your grades. you got to do a little better. I know you're able to do better. Um, school was never that, that, that important to me. Like, I just kind of, I'm sorry, parents, if your kids are listening to me. I'm just, I'm sorry. I, I mean, C's and B's, that was good. I mean, that was good, right? What's, nothing wrong with that. Um, yeah, I see my Seth is saying, yeah, yeah, I can see, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I remember my guidance counselor, you got to do better. Well, well, why do I have to do better? So you can get into a good college. And I remember thinking to myself, well, why do I want to get into a good college? Well, so you can get a good education, of course. Well, why do we want to get a good education? So you can get a good job. Why do I want to get a really good job? So I can make a lot of money. Why do I want to make a lot of money? So you can live comfortably. Why do I want to live comfortably? So I can have a great retirement, and retire early, and enjoy yourself in life. Where'd that come from? Did you ever really, really stop? And that's what I mean about high altitude stuff. Get up above it all, look down and say, well, where did that come from? Is that of God? I, I don't see that anywhere in, in this book. I see live intentionally, fulfill your calling, 
invest in what really, really matters. I hear Jesus saying, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. And those things that you need in life, they'll, they'll be taking, I'll to make sure you take care of those things. Um, and I don't, Deb, I don't mean to diss public education in any way. Okay, you understand. <clears throat> but you understand that there is a predominant lie that we've bought into. And we all just kind of drink the Kool-Aid. But it's not of God. God says live strategically. So I recently had a conversation with someone who is approaching midlife and is asking really good questions. Asking questions like, is, is this it? Um, is there more? What might change, if I, if I let my imagination run a little bit, what might change over the next 20 years that might look a little different than the previous 20 years? So I've done the career thing, and I've just kind of realized that maybe it's a little hollow and a little empty and giving a, a real sense of fulfillment. As the saying goes, some of us climb the ladder of life and reach the top only to find that it's leaning against the wrong building. And so they're asking the questions, is, is, it, is there more? Is, there, is it possible that there's more to this? I encourage this person to think strategically from a kingdom perspective. So what does that really mean? Well, we know that God says, it is my will for you to seek first my kingdom. That's, that's what that means. So is it possible that I can step back at this stage of life, simplify some things, streamline some things? What can I eliminate to be strategic? How can I free up some time to invest in principles of God's kingdom? There's ways that we can, we are, for crying out loud, we're the wealthiest nation on the face of the earth and in all of human history. There are ways that we can streamline and think strategically to be able to invest in God's kingdom more intentionally. God says, be wise about life, be strategic about life in the things that really, really, really matter. And when it really comes down to it, there's only a couple things that really matter most in life. People matter, God matters, and apart from that, everything else pales in comparison. We can be strategic. We need to learn to steward all of life, all of life, in every way. Finally, live wisely, live strategically, and live under the influence. Now, normally when we use the terminology under the influence, we are talking about alcoholic beverages and too much of them. And it affects people by being under the influence. We talk about DUI, driving while under the influence. It's obvious when someone is under the influence of alcohol. There's slurred speech, there's impaired functions, there's the inability to think clearly and walk straight. And as the Apostle Paul says in this passage, it leads to debauchery. He says in verse 18, do not get drunk on wine, 
which leads to debauchery. The debauchery is just a fancy word that we don't use in our language anymore. It means wild partying. Instead, he says, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul uses this, this imagery of being under the influence of alcohol. And he says very frankly and plainly, do not be drunk on wine, which leads to that which is wrong, bad, and, and gets you in trouble. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So he uses this, this imagery of being under the influence. Under the influence. couple things that as we are under the influence, first of all, we are continually aware of the Spirit's presence all the time in our lives. He never leaves us. He doesn't, we don't have to come to church for the Spirit's presence. There's never a moment of any given day where His presence is not with us. If anyone knows Christ, He has the Spirit of God in His life. Jesus talked about him being the counselor, the one who walks with us, the helper. He's always present with us. Increasingly, as I have the Spirit's presence, I care more and more deeply all the time about those that Jesus deeply cares about. As a matter of fact, I would contend that that is the essence of spiritual growth. Sometimes we think that spiritual growth strictly has to do with attaining more and gathering more knowledge of Scripture. That's part of it. But I think even trumping that is being increasingly sensitive to the things that God cares deeply about in this world. That's spiritual growth. Finally, as the Apostle Paul suggests here, um, I find a new song in my heart. And he says this. He says, speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. I don't know that the Apostle Paul is suggesting we go around communicating in song, literal song to one another. I think it's more this idea, as he talks about being filled with the Spirit, let the Spirit create a new song in our hearts. Let me ask you this. What do you find yourself thinking about when you're not really thinking about anything? Do you, ever really, do you ever really, really stop and think about that? What do I find myself thinking about when I'm really not thinking about anything? Sometimes we get anchored a little bit too much on criticism and, and judgment and rehearsing just ripping conversations with somebody that's really ticked me off and you know, all those things, are re that's what I'm kind of thinking about when I'm not thinking about anything. And, and it's like God's saying here in his word, he said, let, let the spirit of God put a new song in your heart. You know, a new song, a song of thankfulness, he says. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we do that, we will find that we have the fruit of God's Spirit making itself more and more evident in our lives.
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Live wisely. Live intentionally. Live under the influence. And as the time goes by and ticks by, we'll find ourselves joining God effectively in things that really, really matter in life. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you have called us and given us the privilege to be engaged in something that is eternal and is so important that you sent your son to procure it for us. In fact, it was your son before he died that said the, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when, when a man saw it and understood what was there, he went and sold all that he had and he bought that field because it was that important. Lord, would you please help us to hear from you this morning, to hear with our ears that are within our souls and to see with eyes that are within our souls and to understand that you have called us and invited us to join you in bringing your kingdom to this world. We ask this in your name, Lord Jesus.